0: Well, let us pray and uh, invite the Lord in. Father, I thank you for your word. It is so filled with life and truth. And Lord, I can always tell in my own heart, Lord, as you're opening it to your scripture, and um, it goes contrary to my flesh and what it is that I think I want, Lord. And it's always the things that I need that are the most important. And um, I pray that you would really Um, Saturate my soul with your uh, incredible presence, Lord, that I can know you and have a desire to want to grow in you. Lord, I yield and submit myself to you. And Would you do that? Would you submit your heart to the Lord and maybe let go of the bitterness and let go of any unforgiveness or fear that you have? Just submit it to God. Come to the Lord with a fresh heart. Lord, we Come before you, the mighty God. We open our hearts to you. Lord, as we look to find purpose, I pray that you would bring clarity. In Jesus' name, do I hear amen? Amen. 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 Uh, I, I wanted to reemphasize uh, the blueprint and then our following class to that called Momentum. You can't go to Momentum unless you've done Blueprint. I promise to you that it is a very life-changing event um, for you. It's amazing to me what people spend their time doing, not because I disapprove, it's not a judgmental thing, it's just that something like this is so life-altering that I can't, it's hard for me to imagine what kind of things would be more important than finding out who you are and what you're supposed to do, and, um, and usually when people go to the class at the end, they say, gosh, I wish I would have done this sooner, or you need to advertise this harder. So that was my best shot right there. Um just because I, I the reason I don't want to push it by the will of man is because hopefully you have a relationship with God, and if you do, then I hope you're asking him whether you should go or not. And um if you can't afford it, that's exactly why you should ask God if you should go, because if you can't afford it and God says go, then he'll figure out a way so you can't afford it. How many say, Amen? So, um, Finding Our Purpose, Being Fully Satisfied um, is our, our series, and I really want to focus in today on kind of the commitment of it. And um, I don't want to go so far as the commitment being everything, uh, because um, then, then you might take the gospel out of context. We know that the gospel is partly, um, well, it is full surrender to the work of Christ. It's not by works. Amen. But at the same time, in the grace of God, in the power, in the transformation of God in our lives, He is changing us and we are cooperating with Him toward the heart of really measuring whether we really want to be a part of what He wants to do. And um, I don't think anyone just wakes up and says, man, I want to do the will of God. I I think that's part of the you know, becoming more like Christ. Je- whatever the Father does, Jesus said, I also do. So it becomes, you know, the Father's doing this, and Jesus says, and that's exactly what I want to do. Now he's mirroring himself to exactly what the Father wants to do, and we are being conformed to, to that desire. You know, not my will, but Lord, your will. So we do have a will and a desire to do things, but they don't always line up with what God wants. Have you noticed that? And it's, you know, and it's not like, you know, Lord, I, you know, I've, I've met people, you know, with everything's a prayer, you know, Lord, while they're at the grocery aisle, you know, Lord, should I get this orange or that banana? Father God, I just submit it to you, Lord. Go, oh, the orange, orange. Lord, which orange is it? Is it more the top <laughs> row or the bottom row? And, and, and it's kind of like, well, if it's the Lord, then everything's the Lord. Well, why don't you pray for every breath? Lord, should I breathe in? Lord, should I breathe out? Lord, should I breathe in again? Should I blink? Oh, forgive me, Lord, I blinked twice. You know, so somewhere you have to throw out the, the overthinking and just be ready to think in the Lord. God, God wants us to be ready to think. And uh, this is where I really want to start, where... Um, we really ask ourselves that question am I ready to follow Jesus and then I ask myself the question what, what do I want and I, I ask myself this question a lot I, I'll, be, I'll be thinking I'm doing something godly because it's with a pastor it could be very confusing because it almost could seem like doing churchy sort of things is automatically something God wants because it's some churchy thing and how many know that churchy things could not be what God wants Right? It just because it's something churchy doesn't make it all of a sudden what God wants. Um, but so Jesus really defines it, really, what happens in the heart and where your actions go. And that's why number one here is be ready to think. And just turn to somebody and say, Are you ready to think? Because this is, this is important. And, and, G- and Jesus asked them this, you know, and these are a, a list of his sermons, but he, he says, What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. So he went to the first, presumably the older, and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. So he's got a command, he's got a direction, he's got a vineyard that he has to work. And and then the the son just goes, I, you know, I, w- I will not, I won't. Now, I'm sure the dad was frustrated at the time. You can could, you could imagine the dad working, and maybe, probably as an older kid, you know, two boys, kind of, who knows, they'd already kind of, maybe they're 18, 19, who knows? Yeah, go, come on, go work in the vineyard. Uh, I won't. <sighs> the dad probably walks off. Maybe I'll get the second son to do it. It says, but later he changed his mind and went. Okay, it's kind, it's kind of like you, you make a commitment. You go, no, 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 resistant. You want to do it? No, but you go, oh, I should. And so he goes and he does it. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? This is the question. Because everyone has an initial response. Everyone has sort of a mental commitment. You know, people make mental commitments. They make moral commitments. You know, I I mentioned that there was a kid... Um, you know, at, um, I think it was Harvard, and um, Ravi Zacharias, oh no, it was Dinesh D'Souza, was giving a lecture on where America came from and what it should, its value should be, and he was just giving this general speech, and I turned it on, listened to it, and this young kid comes on, and he said, well, I think that, you know, we should, you know, surrender our, our finances to the American Indian." And he went on and on about how the American Indian were the first citizens of our continent, and how the white man had taken away his um freedom to get education and to prosper. And he went to this whole thing that he had in his mind. And Dinesh D'Souza said, Do you believe what you say? And he said, He said, Absolutely. And he says, Good. He says, then you're white, aren't you? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, are your parents pretty well off? And, and then he's at Harvard. How many think you might be pretty well off? I, I don't know what, I mean, I, I remember you talked to my kids, how much is slick? <laughs> how many remember that conversation? Right? And they go, what? How much did you you? What? <laughs> Lord, please help me to rob a bank just once. I repent later. <laughs> Lord, I had this good tactic. It'll work. Lord, it's just and I'll give some to the poor. Lord, it's me and Robin Hood. And, and you know, and the thing is, is that, you know, th- this kid said, yes, he was well off, and all his friends started ha- cackling toward him, kind of saying, he's rich, he's got money. And, and, and so Dinesh says, so you're white, you're rich, you're exactly the demographic that wants to give away their education, and give it over to a Native American. And he said, so why don't you show us by example that you believe what you want, that you believe this? And, and the kid goes, well, I, I think you're taking this out of context. Um, you know, he started making excuses of why he couldn't do it, and then, and then everybody else started kind of mocking him. And finally, Dinesh looked at him, and he said, you know what? He said, this is a few, you, you have no right to speak. He said, you don't believe what you're saying because you don't believe it. You, you know, you don't believe it. And, and there are some people that, that they're that way with their commitments. You know, they say they believe in these things, but then they do nothing. You know, they say they believe in first fruits, let's say with God, putting God first in their finances, but then they don't do it. So they don't trust God with their finances. They don't believe that God's important to their time because they don't give God the first of their heart. And and there are people that do that with their calling. They go, oh, calling's important, but then they don't invest in the things that matter. You know, I'm I'm so proud of the young parents that are going to the parenting class because I know that their lives are gonna change. You, you know, I, I really do. You know, we've had two classes and I, I already believe that there's been, you know, great just influence change for how they're going to parent their kids. And I have parents say, oh, parenting is important. But yet, they think baseball and basketball is more important for their kid than parenting. You can't have a mental commitment. Yes, I will do it. Father, I'll do what you ask me to do. I'll do the right thing. And then in the end, you don't do it. And that's why Jesus calls these Pharisees, because they do all the religious-looking things, but their hearts eventually don't do it. You know, it's, 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 it's like the moral commitment of the kid from Harvard. This is the right thing to do. Boy, you know, you know what he really wanted? He wanted to make an important moral case so that everyone else would do it but him. The one, listen, when I was working in Calcutta, India, um, in mission work for a a couple years, I wasn't there the whole time, but um, I was working with one of the leaders there. And one of the things I, I realized when I met one of the surgeons working in the cleft palate area, he was working with kids all day, and he graduated from John Hopkins. Brilliant surgeon worth a lot of money in the regular um, American market. And I, we dropped him off at his house in our in our bus and I could, carried all the nurses and we were going from city to city helping the absolute impoverished places. We were driving into neighborhoods where they had no medical, nothing. And there was medical in the bus to help give local help. And we, we finally dropped the doctor off. And... His house was probably maybe six times the size of that baptism, was his house. And I looked and I said, Wow. I go, that, that's where you live? And he goes, Yeah. And I said, I go, Wow, that's a sacrifice. And he said, I can't serve the people and then live above them. He said, I'm one of them. And he said, I got my education so I could come and follow God's service here. And I thought, I looked at it, and I just thought, you are a mighty man of God. You are mighty. And I just, I thought to myself, it just my own introspection just lit up, and I just began to analyze so many things that I've committed my soul to, and I thought, boy, Lord, I just want to increase those things. And then, it's sad to say, and I'm being honest, I find myself sometimes around people that don't care at all about the things of the kingdom. They don't care at all. And even some in the church, it's it's like they are the son who says, I'll go. But they don't go. They say morally, you should, but they don't. Mentally, it's right, but they don't go. And this is why Jesus comes to the religious people. They're the ones that parse the text so carefully. You know, this is what the text says, and this is what it says, and they've got it all right. But yet they have no love, they have no action. Will that really matter so much? And some are committed to the, I've, I have. I'm following Jesus, but I'm not pursuing the purpose for my life. You know, and I look at, and we as leaders of the church look and we say, God, what do you want to do? And we hear things like that people need to follow purpose. And we, we give ourselves over to those things. And, 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 and still, people say, oh, it's not that big a deal. It's not that important. And, and I look at Jesus confronting the Pharisees. And he says, I tell you the truth. You who think you have everything. He's talking the tax collectors. I mean, not the tax collectors, but the the, the religious, the ones who feel content. He says, I tell you the truth, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Now, I just wonder, because you have these prostitutes that start following Jesus, how perfect their incredible doctrine was. You know, I wonder if they had figured out the, the end times dilemma. You, you know what I mean? Because you know it's going to be another 80 years, 70 years, 60 years, whatever, until the book of Revelation is even written. And they're not going to trouble themselves over trivial things. I wonder if they're going to turn on Fox and CNN to find out what the world thinks we're gonna ha- what's going to happen. Rather than listening to the words of Jesus, the kingdom's right here. Men of violence, men of urgency will take it over. I look at Ira back there. He is that man. How many say amen? He is that man. You know, and the thing is, is that the Lord would want us to grow. And that's why Jesus says, what do you think? What do you think about this? And he says, for John came to you, he says to them, to show you the way of righteousness. a, a Repentance, it's, it's metanoia, cha, meta, change, changing of mind, changing of thinking. He came to show you the way. This is the Lamb of God, and you didn't believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they did. They believed him. You know, they did. And, and I love it. I love being the loser who found God. I really do. I'm thankful. And he says, and even after you saw this, you didn't repent and believe him. And you certainly didn't follow him. You didn't follow him. You know, anyone who wants to save his life is going to lose it. But anyone who loses his life for the sake of me and the kingdom, Jesus said, you'll find it. Something powerful there. Look where he goes with this. Be ready to build, number two. Suppose if you wants to, one of you wants to build a tower, won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? A tower. A tower is a place of safety, by the way. In, in the in the in the ancient days. It's not so much. We kind of f- fight with air power. You go into a, a place and you t- have air supremacy. You know, you could take out communications. You know, you can have predators and drones flying over the place to analyze every place that, that, that there is. You, they can do, there's electric, you know, um, um, search things that find where radar is being centralized and where intelligence is being moved. And if you have air supremacy, pretty much at this age, who knows how it'll change, warfare will change, but it will is that right now you, you can take over a battlefield. And it doesn't matter how deep you dig because then they just keep making bombs that explode and then wait and then they explode again and then they wait and they explode again and they'll get you no matter. You can have to go pretty dang deep to expo- get away from it. That's what a tower is. A tower is when the enemy comes in, you can look over and watch what's happening and have the archers and other things looking over your property and if you want to build a tower, once you build a tower, guess what? You you are basically saying I am here to defend myself. Right? You don't you don't you don't go I grew up in Inglewood. You don't you don't start wearing colors, gain colors or start joining somewhere unless you know you're going to finish the task. You, you don't Just join in. and You don't start to say we're going to defend ourselves and everybody goes, oh, you are? Because one of the biggest things I noticed when I moved from Los Angeles is that people look in each other's eyes differently. The neighborhood I grew up, it's just if you look someone in the eye and you look back at them, then you're saying, I can fight you and I will. That's just the way it was. And so you either put your head down or you look, or you're the person who looks around. I, heard, I just remember the first time moving into a place not like that and people going, hey, Eric, how are you? And then when I was a Christian, hey, everybody's staring at you. <sighs> Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and not able to finish it, Everyone who sees it will ridicule you. I mean, you get the foundation in. You get the rebar in. You know, you dig this massive hole to say, I'm making a statement. And then you dig the hole. You bring the cement in. And it all gets poured in. And you're all laid out. You got the maps and the blueprint on the side. You say, I'm ready to go. And then you don't do it. Because you never were going to. You didn't really estimate the cost. You didn't count the cost. I mean, are you ready to build? Are you ready to build it completely? He says, everyone who sees it, they're going to ridicule you. They're going to mock you. That person began to build, but he wasn't able to finish it. Then he gives one more analogy. He says, suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. This is kind of like the analogy I gave before. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? Listen, I knew that when we were going to plant a church, whether you see it or not, that the enemy was not going to like it. I knew that. I knew it in my head. And then when I first felt the enemy opposing me, I could just tell the Lord said, stand strong. Don't let him change you. And I could just feel, I can feel the pressure. It's kind of like, it's, it's like the first declaration you make to the enemy that says, I will stand here. And we will plant here and we will expand from here. And everything goes against us expanding. You know, I knew it wasn't gonna come by commitment because people can't commit to a church longer than a year, typically. You know, because they don't analyze things by, is this where God has called me? They analyze, how did I like the worship this morning? You know, it's like the movie theater. You know, that was kind of a, another one by that director. Did you think it was pretty good? How's the popcorn at the theater? It's a little buttery, isn't it? I think maybe we ought to get something else. What's the drink? Do they get the refills on the drink? You know, and, and, and I, I sometimes I look at it, you know, it's like we give people free lattes, and I'm like, give people nothing nothing. If they feel God's call here, then one day they'll walk in and they'll say, and I've heard people say, this is where God has called me. So I submit my heart and my life here. This is what I'm going to do. And if he hasn't called you, then go where you're supposed to be because the Lord is leading you. Do I hear amen? Amen. This is, this is so important because it's not just about church life. This happens in your family too. People jumping from career to career to college to school. Maybe if I get this degree and I get... This. Some people are professional degree getters because they don't know what they're supposed to do and what to be. And they're turning to the world's resources rather than to the word or to the church. If you've got 10,000 men and you have 20,000 men you're going against, you better have a plan that one person takes down two, a bunch of times. Or you have, make sure that you have enough plans, you know, of maybe some deception that they're moving in the wrong direction, some traps. You make sure that there is a strategy in place that you're gonna win so that you don't get started and the first 2,000 bail out because that's usually how it is. You get started in any battle and if the team isn't committed, the military goes into great detail to say, are you committed to our nation? Are you committed to our force? Are you committed to the brother around you? The fight is with us because if you all of a sudden as a military person start watching TV and seeing the politicians going back and forth at each other whether the war is good or not which happens in every war then you'll be distracted should I be fighting this should I not be fighting this because once you're in the battle you are in the battle i i really believe that some i really believe this with all my heart i really think that when we get to heaven there are some that will be saved, but realize that they have been watching a battle happening all around them. And, and I think that's, you know, the rewards are, are, that we get in the kingdom are about this is rejoicing. They're like, wow, I think that there's a rejoicing of knowing what you were doing. And there's also going to be a sadness where you're going to go, wow, I missed it all. It's like the Lord is using these two sons. He's using this king. You know, you better wonder if you can take the battle. If not, don't join it. And can I tell you, if you measure your own resources, you can't win. You need the Lord. Amen? Because with 10,000, you can take 20,000. And you're going to see when I get to Gideon here that God's going to whittle down your resources. You have less, 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 because the Lord says, I'm going to show you what I can do. And there's many times when he's whittling things away, and it's frustrating because you're trying to build, build, build. And we want to build, but we want to build on what the Lord's building. If he is not able, listen to what he'll do. He'll send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and ask for terms of peace. You you start to go on the battlefield, you start to look around, and there's a troop of 2,000. They're like, I don't know if I really want to fight. You go, man, I know tons of people just like you. You know, I, I have some good friends, close friends, and I know that these are the kind of friends, and it's the only kind of friends I have that are real close friends that will go to fight with me. And I have a bunch of acquaintances, people that, you know, and sometimes it's just proximity, you don't have time to make best friends with everyone. But there are some that you just know that they won't. But I have a lot of close friends for a lot of years. I know a lot of people, and I have a lot of old friends for a long time. And I look at them, and all of them are kind of like, I got your back, dude, no matter what. I got you. I think that's how the Lord is, don't you? I think the Lord is, I got your back. I think King David is a, I got your back kind of guy. I think Abraham was a, I got your back kind of guy. I think Jesus was a, I got your back kind of guy. I think John the Baptist was a, I got your back. Joshua was to Moses, I got your back. Right? I love this because if if you don't, if you look to the right and you go, no, no. Oh, I don't, I don't know. Okay, man, I don't know. It's, it's, either, it's in our interest to fight for you, but if that interest changes, then I don't know. And then on the, on the other hand, you might have some that are you know super committed, but they're fearful. They have no battle experience. So once you get out there, who knows what they're going to do when they get punched. Like Mike Tyson said, everyone's got a plan until they get hit in the face. Have you heard that from Mike Tyson? Everybody's got a plan how to fight. Until you get punched in the face. Well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go like this. I'm going to keep, I'm going to hit. I'm going to duck and I'm going to go right and hit with an uppercut. That's what I'm going to do. And you get out there, you try that and boom. You're going, that ain't going to work. I spent three months training on that. It ain't going to work, coach. We've been out coached. Then you quickly are adapting. What's he doing? Boom. Everywhere I turn, I get punched. You said they had 20,000. There's 30,000 of them. Punch is coming from everywhere. Aren't you going to send someone out and say, hey, we'll send a peace treaty? This is where slavery started. There are certain kingdoms, certain areas that, like indentured servants, they said, we'll become your slaves because we don't want to die, and that's our choice. Do you realize that we are a part of a kingdom that is filled with power? There's so much power on high that sits dormant. Really, it's like the ten virgins, and it's like some didn't fill themselves with the power of the Spirit, the oil that's there. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples you can you can't be a you can be a follower you can't be a disciple disciple it's impossible a disciple you have to give up stuff and i i think i really honestly believe a lot of people add jesus to their life you know you know jesus is a good thing i'm going to add him to my life that's so different how many are getting something from the lord this morning i hope you are how many think the scripture is coming alive i hope i hope it is for you I want to get here to Gideon because I really think that Gideon sort of... The Lord really led me here as I was going through that gospel passage. Be ready to trust. And most of you know that Gideon was that man who had been quite a few generations. I think it was almost three generations where he had not seen anything from the Lord. It's kind of like there's people who say, my grandfather was a Christian. And what are you doing? Well, I'm selling some meth, but I believe in God. Dude, you are a mighty man. Not really. Listen, Gideon had heard it from his great-grandfather, and then his grandfather hadn't really seen anything, but he still kept the story going. So he told his dad, and his dad, out of obligation and religious obligation, passed it on as a probably a family tradition. You know, I know, I meet, I know a lot of Jews. I grew up with a lot of Jewish uh, friends. Just before I was a Christian or anything. And most of them were atheists. And when I became a Christian, I went and I showed them. I go, have you seen the book of Isaiah? I was more impressed with the Old Testament than they were. They couldn't have cared less. And, I, and they were a lot like Gideon because Gideon was like, "Listen, we've heard the stories." Because the angel of the Lord comes to visit him, and he must have come in some normal manner. Because Gideon is like, "I've seen, I've seen any of these miracles you're talking about." He says, "All I do is my job. I, I get the wheat, I, you know, on the threshing floor, and I do my work." And then some of you know that he. He gets called to a mission, and then he puts the fleece before the Lord and says, Lord, I'll put this fleece out here, and if it gets wet, then I'll know it's you. And then the next morning, he says, okay, here's a wet one. If I know it's dry, then I'll know it's you. There's no dew on it from the morning. And he does all these things to test the angel of the Lord, and finally he sees that it's real. And he doesn't believe in himself, but he finally gets to that place where he begins to own it. He starts to think, you know what? I'm a part of God's kingdom plan, just like the one who's going to build the tower. And he says, you know what? I, I'm gonna, I, I, I'm thinking right. I'm going to build it. And then the, the angel of the Lord comes to him, and he appears to him mightily, and he says, says to him, he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And 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 now his trust really has to rise up. And here you have some of the things that I was reading. But, sir... Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where's all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us in the hand of the Midianites. You know, it's like, think about it. I I think these are legitimate questions, don't you? The the Lord hears them. uh, You know, and people will say, "I, I, I don't see God. That they, they switch their faith from God to, well, science is going to have answers for me. You know what I mean? Or pleasure is going to have, or entertainment is going to have answers for me. What is God going to do for me? And they wonder because they haven't seen it. And they go, listen, we're under the government of the Midian. Of Midian. This is the way that it is. And he, he's making all this complaints, and he shows it to them. And he says, I, I don't know. He does the Moses thing, you know, how can I do this? And the, the Lord turns to Gideon and says, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? And, and I think this is such a profound Old Testament prophetic word because what it's saying is, I know the strength that you have. I'm not asking you to make more of it. What I'm saying is, what you have Bring it and go. Sometimes God's plan doesn't mean you're going to get way better. Sometimes you're going to be exactly who you are and you're just going to go. Do I hear amen? Do I hear amen? amen? Get it from the heart there, a little gruff. The Lord turns to getting go in the strength you have and save Israel. Save your people. You know, but if there's a God, how come he won't save my family? Well, what about you? But pastor, come lead my family to the Lord. You want me to care about your family more than you need to care about your family? I'm telling you, I have spent hours and hours weeping for our city, weeping for families, saying, Lord, I'm standing in the gap for them and seeing their dilemma and asking the Lord to bring change. And when I'm praying like this and weeping and wailing and gushing I can feel the Lord saying, right, Eric, that's where you need to be. So you can't be, have a shallow answer like, well, I don't know if the Lord wants to, to you know, I'm the only one that would be saved in my family. Everyone else is, you know, part of another faith. Well, why don't you think God would use you? Why wouldn't he use you? Well, none of us has ever, you know, really got a good career going. We're all kind of, we haven't made that much money. Why don't you be the first one? To make a difference. Why don't you be the first one that brings the change, a spiritual change to your family? Instead of the curses that have come down generation after generation, why don't you be the one who brings a a splurge of blessing to your family line? Do I hear amen? amen? You be the one. You go, I don't know if I can make the change. Yes, you can. And you should. And if God picked you first or picked you one of the first ones, trust me, if you're sitting around, he'll find someone else to bring the leadership. He's not going to put your family into the hands of someone who doesn't care or has no courage. It's going to take some courage. It's going to take a step. You're going to have to be bold. You're going to have to preach the gospel, and everyone goes, well, that's stupid. Trust me, I've been there. That's stupid. (laughs) Okay, well, it's true, and blah, 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 blah. I was listening to Penn and Teller. You know, he's a big atheist. And he put this video out, and he's crying and weeping on this video because I'm, I'm on this um, WeChat blog in China um, where it's uh, uh, Christians f- for praying for China to have a transformation. And I can't believe there's thousands, and a friend of mine is leading it. And, and it's just it's incredible what's happening. And I'm just watching people from all over the world saying, we want to see a transformation in this country. And then someone posted this video of Penn and Teller, and he's like a total atheist. He's one of the guys that I really want to debate because I've, I've heard his, his obstacles, and his obstacles aren't that big. They're just, he just hasn't heard any good answers for them. And he said, he, he goes, he says, yeah, I met a guy today in the street. And he said, he looked me in the eye. And, and I'm, I'm waiting, he goes, and, he, and then all of a sudden, he just gets teared. He said, now, I'm an atheist. And he said, but this guy came to me, and he was telling me about God and about Jesus Christ. And he was worried about my soul. I could see it in his eyes. You know, my wife led me to the Lord. She was the first Christian who witnessed to me that I believed her. Like I go, I thought to myself, cuz she was looking at me with all these intense eyes and she's going, "God is real," and she's telling me all about it, and I go, "She is either crazy or she's or it's true." Turns out she was both. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding, babe. <laughs> totally kidding, babe. She's a fool for Christ. But, but he, he, he goes, he, he said, he basically went through this whole thing, and, and then he said, you know what? He said, I have respect for that. It makes me want to find out more. And he said, because I walk around, this is still the, the pen and teller. I can't remember which one it is. It's the longer haired one. And, he, and he, said, he said, I meet Christians all the time. And it's like, they're like, hmm, whatever. I'm a believer. I'm a right wing Republican. And they don't care. They don't believe what they believe. When Jody witnessed to me, I knew she believed what she believed. I, I meet people all the time who say they're believers and they don't live like them. They don't believe the message. They don't believe the calling. They they don't forgive. Like they don't believe the message in forgiveness. I know people that I've had a relationship for a while. I've tried to reconcile a relationship or make things right, and they won't let unforgiveness down. I'm going. They're not. How could they be followers? Followers of what? If you can't walk in unforgiveness, you how can you be a follower? That is the normal thing. Do I hear amen? These are just normal things. You know, (laughs) but Lord, this is our question. How can I save Israel? And most, some of you know this. This is our excuses, but our family is poor. And, you know, I know we're from a big LDS family, but we're like fourth generation. And trust me, we're like a peon of the peon of the peons. We're nobody. There's somebody, but we're nobody. And this is Gideon. He's going, Lord, why would you come to me? I don't get it. I'm nobody important. It's like James in 1 Corinthians where it says, not many of you were noble when you came to the Lord. You didn't have noble blood in you. Sir Eric, we come to you with the gospel. Well, let me uh, hear the message. Hmm. I understand. I will weigh it and make my decision. No, I was like, What? what i don't understand the lord's coming to you he's going to save you (laughs) ow trust me i messed up you can't save this it's gone i crave everything evil trust me i like it kaboom Because you may be the weakest in Manasseh and you may be the least in your family and you may be bipolar and tripolar and quadpolar (laughs) and whatever it else is and you got too many weaknesses and you're not good with money and you're not good with your time or your body's always decaying and you think you're always sick. You're not talented enough. You got too much fear, whatever it is. You say to the Lord, I'm not the one you want. I'm not the nobody. I'm the nobody. You don't want me. (laughs) Do you have an excuse? That's why he can't build. That's why the one son says, I will, but he didn't. The other one says, I don't know if I want to, but in the end he does. The Lord is saying, the one who actually does, the one who actually believes, is the one who will actually end up repenting and end up following That's the way it works. We're not saved by our works. We're saved by our faith, but faith becomes active. That's the way it works. The Lord answers him. The Lord never says, Oh, I didn't know that. I'm sorry. (laughs) You look just like Bob, who's a noble birth from a killer family. We're we're, we're taking him right now, we're vetting him right now. He's going to be a senator. Make a real difference in this world. I I don't know about you, but I I, I told you I don't watch too much politics, but I watched them this week. And um, then I realized why I don't watch politics. (laughs) Because at the end, I said, there's nobody to vote for. (coughs) You know, the Lord says, I will be with you. And you say it with me, will. Just say it one more. Say, I will. I will. This is this is this. When the Lord comes to you and says, "You will trample the enemy under your feet," that's what followers of mine will do. When I'm in the midst of trial and I'm going, "Lord, how am I going to win?" It's just everything looks bad. I remember these promises. Then I look up, open my eyes. I see the enemy's work, and instead of living in the fear I was two minutes ago, I say to myself, "By faith, I will trample the enemy." And I will be victorious in this because God is with me. He says, you will strike down all the Midianites together. You know, this is what's important. It's important that we're ready to trust. And number four, be ready to shrink. (sighs) I know that this does not make sense. It never does. Just like giving. I'm going to have less now. Yes, but you're going to be trusting the Lord. And I know people who've been part of our church probably for years, and they still probably don't give at all. And it's like they're not contributors to the kingdom or the things in a financial way. And let me tell you something you're the one missing out. You're missing out on the benefits, you're missing out on the trust. Your trust is somewhere else. God wants us to be, him to be first. How many say, Amen? amen. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. He gathers, listen, this is what you do. God gives you a task, and so you gather the whole army. You have the 10,000, you said, let's get it. Let's get 10,000, let's get 20,000, let's get 30,000. Let's add. Hey, how you doing? Carl, hey, how's it going, man? Listen, I'm going to battle for the Lord. You with me? Um, yeah, hold on a second. Honey, yeah, it's Eric, Tuesday night warrior thing. Bowling? Uh, I, I'll be a little late, but but I will be there. Yeah, I can count. Yeah, I'll be praying. Yeah, I'll I'll pray right now. Lord, help the thing work out. Amen. <laughs> you have too many men. I cannot deliver many into the hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army. And I love this. This is so perfect. It's what I'm doing right now. Anyone who trembles with fear, just turn back and leave Mount Gilead. You know, uh, they they have all kinds of movies out there about heroes. And what people love, because it always reflects the gospel. Remember, God's using everything, whether it's something evil or good. God uses everything to display himself. But you'll see a movie where... You'll have a hero, or you see it in real life where you're going, uh, there's that new movie called 13 Hours, the story from Benghazi, where you have these mercenary soldiers who are just soldiers, but they're under contract. And, and they're basically, they, they can go if they want to. They don't have to engage, but they decide that there's only one. they're the only ones that can help, so they make the sacrifice it's it's kind of like you know if you make the sacrifice you don't have as much and you risk everything that you have and and it's kind of like and he says don't worry god says trust me and take this with the truth because when you when you hear revelation 21 And it says, outside are the dogs. He's talking about those who never came to the Lord. And he says, outside are the dogs. Outside are the thieves. Outside are the cowards. And I just think that this so applies with Gideon. Announce to the army. The army, we're we're trained, ready to go. Anyone who's trembling with fear, like if you've got the fear, I don't know if I should go, I don't know. He says, just go home. Just go home. He'll be okay. There is preaching on TV. Honestly, you can go home and you can watch the TV. And and you can get taught by anyone who has the money to be on TV, and they are the leaders of the Christian church, but maybe not. But you'll think they are because they're on TV. Because we know everything that's on TV is magical. Right? Right? You don't have to have a but You don't have to have anything. You just need to be on TV, and you're good. So 20,000 men left. Just, I mean, you can't do it like this. You know, hey, if you're a wuss, go ahead and go home. Well, I'm staying because of pride. No, you want to go, hey, listen, this is a battle. We're taking on Midian. Do you understand that Midian is a serious army? You're talking about they're kind of the America in this case. They've got all the power. They've got the armor. Israel has been subject to them for a long time. And now you have basically Gideon come up and he's going, listen, if, if there's some fear that you have over there, we're going to be okay. Go ahead and go. And there's some guy who go, oh, I'm, I'm, yes, um, I just need to use restroom. I'll be right back. You know? And then off you go. When you're in the military, you're responsible for something. You have a task. You're in charge of some troops or a platoon or a battalion. You're in charge of something. You have to take something on the map. You know, you take building A, you take building B, you take building C, and then you look at the people and you go, are these guys that I can count on? Are these guys, I mean, are these guys that are going to hold that building until they die? Or are these the kind of people that the minute things are going to go bad, they're going to bail? I'm sorry, but we're surrounded sometimes by that. Jody asked me, people say, How big's the church? And, so, and, and they go, They look at the numbers. This is what the number is. How many people attend? I always take a third of that. And I said, Well, that's the church. Because that's the ones that are actually committed to being a presence. Do you know that if everyone who came to Christ and was a presence in the church and just decided to stay and be an influence, that we would already have won Utah. Do you know that? We would have won. They say if every Christian just gave 10%, there would be no poverty in the entire world. Who do you think God holds responsible? The unbeliever? No! He holds the man with one talent who buries it responsible. And he says, take it away from him and give it to the one who has two. Give it to the one who has five because he'll make five more. He says 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors, they're his warriors. These guys are fighters. They're ready to go. Down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. In one man put all those who cup the water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. It's like you got two people. You got one that are, they're going to drink in the water. And he says, but I want, they drink like this, but they, they're responsible men. They're, they're fighters you don't have to tell them. Um, hey, can you come early to the church? We need prayer covering in all our areas of ministry. They they're the ones that are not going to. You have to tell them, you, you know, because the other ones it says they're just drinking, like this. What? I got a free latte? Where? Yeah, kids ministry is pretty good. Not up to my standards, but, but I really like the guitar playing. The symbols were a little loud. <sighs> Listen, you're either drinking like this because, you know, I know my responsibility. I know what I am. This is how it is in your family. We know if you just plop yourself on the couch and don't take responsibility for anything. Someone else will make the money. Someone else will pay the bills. Someone else will do stuff. Listen, you want to find your purpose, you need a sermon like this. Do I hear amen? Because I understand that this sermon is difficult. It is. Do you want to be a part of the church that tells you the truth in these difficult matters? Because it says only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths. So it's even more than that. It's just. Oh, oh. Really? 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 Do you understand if men and women of God rose up, what a, in your family, what a difference your family would make? Do you understand how, what a difference your business would make if everyone didn't wasn't just drinking to feed themselves but were committed to a common cause? The only kind of purpose that matters is the one that God has birthed. It's the only one that matters. The Lord told Gideon, With these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. Do you realize how many men is 22,000? You cannot do this unless you've had an encounter with God. Because when you're sending that first time 22,000 men, and you know the Midianites are going to be camped all around you, and they were. And all you have to do is look over the ridgeline and look. And there are tents as far as you can see. And God is whittling you down. He's shrinking you. You've already examined the counted the cost. You're ready to build. You're ready to trust God. And now he puts it on the line. and says, I'm going to shrink your resources so you have less. And then after the 22,000, then they all start drinking. And then you get rid of the rest until you've got 300 guys. 300 guys, but the 300 guys, man, they're 300 men. This is why I love David's mighty men. Because they show you the capability of what man is, where one guy takes on 800. And you go, that's not possible. I believe it is. I believe a man determined with the power of God can accomplish anything that the Lord would have him do. I do. I got one of one of our pastors in Idaho, he pastors the adventure there. he's, he's already planted another adventure and now they're planting another adventure. I can and and I, and he 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 sends me uh, he he keeps me updated and posted. I'm go, I'm going there in February uh, to I think February to go uh, visit them and hang out with them for a couple of days. And uh, and I am watching them and they're so aggressive. so aggressive I love it and they have a heart for the people of their city and it's catchy and they're sacrificing the Lord says I will give you victory I'm done right here last point here send all the other home listen there's no magic here is there no magic God's just looking at the heart just I want everyone to know that I'm going to do it I'm going to do from that heart look what he says that night, the Lord said, "Get up, go down into the Midian camp, for I have given you victory over them." Here he is with the final group. But if you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura. I'll still count you with the victory, but you can. There's a little. There's a little camp right over there. We'll we'll just set one up back in the parking lot behind Central Collision. You kind of just set. We just set. Sit there, just be kind of a safe safe little place. We'll make sure that the enemy, you don't pray too hard so the enemy doesn't see anything he has to come against. You know, there's, not, there's no stand you need to take. Don't take any responsibility, but make sure you measure everyone else who does. Because that is what will happen. And he's saying, listen, we're even in the final eve of attack because God is going to win this battle and they are going to have a victory and a celebration. And eventually those other 30,000 are going to kind of dwindle in and sort of rejoice in what the battle is. But the 300 who fought that day will know what it is and they'll be different after that day. They'll be different. And when the battles get bigger and when they get stronger, you wonder why the fighters who can fight can fight you can always tell when someone does not know how to fight because they lose control in the fight they don't know what happens when something gets hit but when you've been through it and you've seen the Lord win for you you will be ready for bigger things how many want bigger things and bigger purpose come on come on raise your hand high this is not time to be afraid seriously this is the time you go yes yes Come on, just say yes. Father, we come before you. And Lord, we don't need a plan B. We need the plan A. And the plan A is that we're going to count the cost. And how many of you have? And you say, just in your own heart of hearts, I don't care where you've been. I'm just saying you listen today. You've measured it in your own soul. You're tired of yourself or you want to, you're already there, but you're just recommitting yourself. I want you to stand with me. I'm standing. And just say, Lord, I am part of the cause. I am a kingdom warrior. I stand on God's side. It's not my life anymore. I lose it for the sake of the kingdom. I commit everything that I have unto you. I count the cost. And then it's the provision thing. Are you going to be the one that kneels down? and just gobbles down provision, are you going to be the one that can keep an eye on the bottom line? That you can be responsible. And you say, Lord, I want to be something responsible in the kingdom.
1: Whatever it is
0: that the Lord would assign to you, trust me, every soldier has an assignment. If that's you, just raise both hands to the Lord and say, Lord, assign me. Direct me. Some of you already have assignments. Your parents, you're assigned to your kids. Your spouse, you're a sound to your spouse, but God's saying, "But there's some ministry kingdom things I'm assigning it to that are additional." You say, "Lord, I'm open to what you would do." I don't want to do, Lord, what the church wants. I want to do what you show me. Maybe through the life of the church, maybe through its leaders, maybe through my friends, but you'll show me, Lord. We open ourselves to finding purpose. It's the way of sacrifice. It's the way of shrinking. It's the way of minimizing. We say, open our hearts. And I pray the same for American Fork right now. Utah County. Lord, I don't know who's owning it. I can't count on people over there being in battle in American Fork. So I can only count myself. And I say, I engage the battle. I'm in it. And I come against the enemy in the name of Jesus. Can you come against the enemy in the name of Jesus with me? Say, we stand against the powers of darkness. And we say, Lord, bring people into the kingdom of light. Bring your power. Bring your grace. Bring purpose and vision. Strength, Lord, honor in your ways. Mighty one, mighty God. And would you own it and say, I am a mighty warrior in the Lord. Just say it, I am a mighty warrior. And he is with me, and I will win. I will experience the victory. All the enemy will be defeated in God's time. In Jesus' name, say amen. And hug someone next to you. Hug someone next to you. God bless you, and we'll see you next week. Let the Lord saturate this. In you.